On today's episode of Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, we discuss all things MLS Superdraft with the Director of Content for Top Drawer Soccer, Travis Clark. Now listeners, if you haven't done so, hit that subscribe button, leave us a five-star review, and follow us at Uncle Sam's Soccer Pod. Now, let's get to today's episode. Thanks for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Alrighty, guys. Here we are. We're recording this uh, Saturday afternoon, January 23rd. You can follow the show on Twitter at Unc Sam Soccer Pod. Follow JJ Post at JJ Post. Follow Justin Sosa at Justin Sosa99. Follow myself at Jake Watroba and making his triumphant return to the podcast, Stephen Jodoran. You can follow him at Stephen Jodoran. Stephen, what's going on? We haven't talked to you in a while. <laughs> I haven't talked to you. JJ, welcome. Nice to finally in- be introduced to you on the show. I mean, we, we obviously have had text chats, but. Hey, we're making our debut together. How exciting. Yeah, it's good to be here. You know, two people in the same city. That's impressive, nothing else. Me and Justin were in the same city last podcast, and now I'm in the same city as someone else. That's an interesting feat, I'd say. Um, and that's, you know, how the pandemic works, I guess. You know, I'm jumping from <laughs> college back home, back to college. It's chaotic, but it's good. I How's... do want to point out that, so Justin and JJ kind of know each other. I'm not sure if you guys have physically met in person. Uh, there's a fairly good op- chance that Steven and JJ might meet in person, given that they're, they're residing in the same city now. I've been on this podcast for, what, three? I think it'll be three years in March or April. And I have not met a soul uh, on this show in person. So Steven and I, I think we're supposed to meet in person this past September when the Revs were going to play in Minnesota and then COVID happened. So, um, All those plans. Yeah, it's, I just want to. I, I guess. I guess I just want to be loved. That's all I'm really saying. I just some some human interaction would be nice on this show. But listeners, we got a packed show for you today. Travis Clark of Top Drawer Soccer will be joining us to discuss a little MLS Super Draft as that uh, happened earlier this week. And before we get to our interview with guys, and I want to open up this show with of a soccer pod. Is MLS Super Draft necessary? And Justin, I know you are a uh, you are a big fan of the MLS Super Draft. You think it's very necessary. You have teams though, like Philadelphia Union, who essentially just sell off all their picks. They don't give a damn about them. Uh, meanwhile, your favorite club seems to utilize the uh, MLS Super Draft. I mean, what, what we've had this discussion before, but for the sake of question of the day, I mean, is the MLS Super Draft necessary? Yeah, I 100% think it is. <laughs> um, honestly, like I, I understand what the what the union are kind of doing as far as selling their draft picks. I mean, they believe in their farm system. They think they have the quality and youth in their own ranks to kind of fill in for those depth spots. Um, I don't know. Personally, it irritates me to see them kind of just trade away the spots, but I can understand the business behind that. You know, I enjoy kind of seeing the Red Bulls bring up or draft in a few players um, and then seeing, you know, like two or three of them kind of break into the first team two or three years after playing with Red Bulls, too. Um, I think it's pretty cool to kind of say, even though they may not be from our academy in the early days, 
we essentially brought them up through the professional ranks with Red Bulls too, and then into the MLS squad. I, I think it's necessary. I think it, it adds some depth for a lot of teams at certain positions that maybe you don't want to spend a lot of money on and you really don't need to. Um, and you always get a few players that are kind of just going to break out in the league and, and eventually kind of be MLS long-term players. So I'm excited to see what this next class kind of does in the future. I'm, I uh, couldn't disagree more, Justin. <laughs> I mean, all right. <laughs> no, I mean, look, personally, I just don't care for the draft. I, I couldn't tell you. Here's the thing with MLS. I don't think you, you will, your franchise, your club, in, in American terms, is single-handedly altered by drafting. You can't, that just singly does not happen. Can I stop you right there? Can can you tell me where the entire back four of the revolution came from? No. Couldn't couldn't care. They all came from the super draft. Wow. Well, then fair enough. Look at that. You, you, you got me there. Up, you set him up so he could knock you down, Steven. <laughs> yeah, but I I what I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I understand what you're saying in terms of you can't, you know, draft a superstar out of college to just change your entire luck around. Um, you are not which I also you. agree with. You are not going yeah. to find LeBron James in the MLS. Yeah, Super exactly. Bowl. But I think well, you can, you can develop you know some quality yeah. depth and a relatively solid core through the draft. That that's I true. I agree with that. You get a you, player or like a franchise player through the draft. Yeah, I do think you can get death pieces, but for the fan who watches, or for the sports fan in America that watches the first ten picks of the NBA draft, the first five rounds of the NFL draft. It's just there's nothing you you can't compare MLS like that. You're not you're not drafting to have suddenly a 20 goal scorer on well, your team. Here's, here's the issue with your thought process here, Stephen. Is <clears throat> you're comparing when you're using the NFL draft and comparing it to the MLS Super Draft. I mean, the NFL is coming at it from a uh, a, a point of like scarcity, right? There's only so many NFL players. I mean, I hate this stupid argument, but if our best players or if our best athletes played soccer, um, that that's why you have quote unquote superstars in the NFL as as opposed to MLS. I mean, the NFL is king when it comes to football in the world. MLS is not king when it comes to soccer in the world. So the top talent in the world isn't going into the MLS Super Draft. It's going either they're draft. already it's not, professionals. It's not going to be. It's exactly. They're not going to be in college. They're going to either already be playing in MLS or they're going to be playing abroad. Um, quickly, JJ, we haven't got your opinion on this. Uh, before we kick it over to uh, our interview here with Travis, what are your thoughts on all this? You, you're new here. We need to get your thoughts on MLS Super Draft. So I am on Justin's side, actually, on this. I, I am very, you know, and I will put my hands in the air. I am a watcher of college soccer. I am a radical watcher of high school soccer. You know, it is my passion is, you know, local grassroots college. I'm a college sports fan. Everything I got into college soccer last year, I bought an ESPN Plus subscription to watch college soccer. So, you know, I will put my hands in the air. I have a bias towards the college game. That being said, I do think it's, you know, if I, I think it would be better if every team used it right. I think Philadelphia has acknowledged that and said, we don't really care about this. You can take our draft picks, do what you want with them. We don't care. And that is every right for them to do it. But I also think when you look at how a team like New England Revolution have drafted or how a team like Nashville FC has actually had a very solid first two draft, I think. When you look at a team that has used their picks wisely, the team that clearly has spent time 
you know, Alistair Johnson was not, you know, jumping off the board as, wow, this guy is an incredible player. We need this guy. We need to trade up for the first pick, drop everything. Alistair Johnson was, just, you know, a pretty good college soccer player. He didn't jump off the page. Nashville FC saw him and said, this is a guy we want to get. They took him with a modest pick, and he ended up being a major contributor on a team that surprised a lot of people in the playoffs. So I think if you're a revolution team who got guys like Henry Kessler and their entire back line out of the draft, if you're a team that really puts time into the college draft, I think there is potential, I think, that a lot of teams don't realize to get, you know, like you said, you're not going to find the next LeBron James. Uh, Daryl DK was, like, probably the best modern super draft pick in history, and even then, you know, he's just a pretty good striker. And, you know, he's not exactly the league's best ever player. You're not going to find that because the league's best ever players go into youth academies, they go to Europe. But, you know, I think it's a good opportunity to find, you know, if you do it right, as New England Revolution have uh, proved, you know, a couple death pieces and maybe even a couple starters. And, you know, in the MLS, you know, if you can have a couple good starters and you can have a solid bench, that's enough to make a, you know, it's not going to win you a championship, but that's enough of a baseline to be a contender. Like you saw with Nashville FC, who built a, you know, just a solid average roster and ended up being, you know, a, a second round playoff team. We're going to get to some trivia, MLS Super Draft trivia with the guys after the interview with Travis Clark. Joining us now on the show is the director of content for Top Drawer Soccer. You can follow him on Twitter at Travis M. Clark. It's Travis Clark. Travis, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Let's jump right in here, uh, talk a little MLS Super Draft. Uh, when looking at what, uh, you know, the MLS Super Draft, you know, as, when comparing it to today versus you know, a decade ago, uh, can you talk about, you know, what, what has changed with the MLS Super Draft and what it means for clubs today versus what it meant, you know, 10, 20 years ago? Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you go back that far, it was completely different. It was how a lot of teams built most of their roster. Uh, you know, you still had signings from abroad coming to Major League Soccer at that point, but, you know, there was a pretty clear pathway to go, you know, you play club soccer, you play college soccer, whether it was for one, two, or three. Because they did have the Generation Adidas, which was also known as a, I think as a Project 40, when it was sponsored by Nike, if you go way back into the 90s. But, you know, and there were chances for younger players to come out if they had promise in college. Um, but now, with the expansion of MLS Academies, with the league basically catching up and, not catching up all the way, of course, but making strides in closing the gap in terms of actually putting an honest effort into player development and to having their own academies and homegrown signings it's much different you know you whether it's players that are in college already and are homegrown players i don't know how familiar your audience would be with the homegrown player rule it's basically if a, if a kid plays for an academy for an mls team for one year that mls team owns his rights so for all of college now is the rule so players will either sign as like 15 16 17 year olds and skip school altogether they can sign to an mls team or you know they play one or two years of school and they can instead of being available in the draft they then can sign with their team you know we, this off season we had isaiah parente sign with the crew and last fall at an mls cup aiden morris made a splash signing or playing in the mls cup started that game he had went gone to play college soccer in the fall of 2019 for at Indiana, and then had signed directly with 
the crew after that. So those are a couple of like of more obvious examples. I could go on along a list, but those guys aren't no longer a part of the draft process. So because of that, the talent level isn't that immediate. And then one thing that a college coaches have turned around and gone to do is to bring in players from international, you know, you have clubs all over the world with their own academy programs that when they deem a player isn't good enough to sign, a lot of companies have started to make a point of trying to set these players up with college soccer teams. So you have this whole thing going on where players are, you know, skipping school, internationals are coming. So then a lot of what is happening in the draft is international players are what is available. And then I know that I'm going off on a long diatribe here, but it's, I'm just covering the bases of it. Players that are available in the draft that are internationals that have done well in school, then require an international spot. A lot of times they're 24, 25. They're a little bit older than what you think of a typical college senior. They you know they start freshman year in their 20s sometimes. And it's not as easy for an MLS team to justify using an international spot on their roster to bring in a player that played college soccer. You could instead sign a player that has played five years professionally in like South America, for example, or somewhere in Europe. So there are a lot of different things going on that have changed the draft, but it's clearly much different. And, you know, in the wake of it, you're not going to look at the, how teams have done and be like, well, they're definitely not winning an LS Cup because they didn't draft so-and-so. So uh, those are all things I, have. I think that kind of covers a lot of the bigger points when looking at the, the draft and what it is now. Yeah, Travis, and you make a good point just kind of with the international roster spots and, and the kids that come from abroad to play college soccer. And, I, you know, even just looking now at the top five picks from this year's draft, four of them are an American. Uh, Daniel Pereira was Venezuela or is Venezuelan. Calvin Harris and Kamarni Smith are English and Philip Mayakas from Kenya. Um, Michael DeShields being the only American out of those five. And And we've seen this a lot, too, in terms of international kids who don't maybe get that academy contract or get that contract straight out of an academy team. Players like Jack Harrison who kind of come over here, make a name for themselves in MLS and then make a move over to Europe. You know, do you, do you see, I guess, the number of international kids maybe growing within college soccer or maybe the MLS draft moving towards a more international, I guess, flavor, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily think that there will be more, you know, international kids, whether it's the draft or not, although although they do take it into consideration, international students aren't necessarily coming with the primary goal of making an MLS being part of the draft. I, I think that some coaches, college coaches, will make that pitch to kids, but if they're being honest with them, they shouldn't because it's a very small number that actually, you know, it's, it's just a little bit harder. I, you know, Julian Gressel is another example of a name who's pretty big in MLS that, you know, he came over here from Germany, played at Providence, and then was picked up by Atlanta United in the draft is a, the best example. Because even Jack Harrison's case was different because he came over in high school to play at a private school in, in, you know, in Massachusetts, I believe, the Berkshire School. Mm-hmm. So someone like that isn't even, you know, he's coming when he is 13 or 14. He's not even coming and when he is 18 or 19 or 20 or whatever so i don't i think that you could probably reimagine the draft maybe create it some kind of system where if you need fake money involved the allocation money of major league soccer you do like a some kind of signing type day where players are just allocated 
be the ones that really want to give these players a chance. You know, it's because I think at this point, it's a little bit disingenuous. You see a lot of these kids on social media and I feel a little, I don't know. I feel a bit bad for them because a lot of them are, oh, it's a dream come true. I got drafted by an MLS team. But when you look at it, even a year later, there's not, you know, not only uh, not have all the picks used, but there's plenty of players that aren't even on their team one year on. So granted, not all all pro drafts are a little bit different, but it's not like the other drafts and, you know, the main ones we think of are the NBA, the NA, uh, NFL draft, where basically all those players make the team. I know that's not totally the case, but it's a, I don't know how I feel about creating this sort of bigger event and then being like, well, you're not on the team yet, except for the guys that signed Generation Adidas contracts, the underclassmen. And then there's, you know, how long will these players actually stick around remains to be seen. Even though last year there were exceptions too, where, you know, Henry, Henry Kessler and Daryl DK did really well and are both in camp with the U S national team. So I think those players are more exceptions to the rule, but it just goes to show you that it's a really weird process. And with the pandemic added in, it was even weirder this year. So Travis, I, I, I have a follow-up then to your question. Would you then say that the MLS Super Draft is, is necessary? Because you're talking about essentially almost reimagining it where you turn it into like a college signing day, if you will, where you have these you know draft picks who maybe get to pick where they get to go. Um, and in that case, do you, do you think MLS is, do you think there's the potential for MLS to look into doing something like that in the future? Because I mean, we've had this debate in the show. We had it before we even called you about, is this, is the super draft necessary? And I kind of can see both sides of the argument. So I guess I'd like to get your take as somebody who call, who covers the college game. Is this process, this, this draft, which like you said, we do in other American sports, the NFL, the NBA, where you see these players making impacts right away. However, and you know, with the MLS Super Draft, like you said, you have draft picks that are being passed on. A lot of these guys, after one year, they're cut, they're sent to USL, whatever it may be. I mean, what, what's what's your take? Do you th- I mean, do you think we're not too far out from MLS reimagining this whole MLS Super Draft thing? So I think the my personal opinion is that it's not necessary. It's nice for these kids to have opportunity. I don't think you should just ignore college talent altogether and come up with a way where, you know, maybe you, you create a process that is optional, right? Where, you know, there's a, some kind of, uh, I, I don't know, I, I, I could go down a rabbit hole here, but I'm, I'm, my signing the idea is just one of things. I think you could scale it down even more than it is already. Maybe just let the teams who want to sign these players, let them invite them into camp and see what they can do and give them shots that way. I, I don't think MLS will get rid of it. I think it's probably part of their sponsorship with Adidas. If you look at sort of the the marketing spiel around it, it's presented by Adidas. You have a generation Adidas stuff. That is probably no coincidence that you want to keep the draft around if it's one thing you sold to your sponsor for millions of dollars. So you know, providing them kind of some kind of exposure. Now, when that deal runs up and you sign a new one, maybe that's when they also, if you're Adidas, be like, hey, this draft isn't really worth our time. Let's not do it anymore. I think that could also be, I mean, that's not something I'm saying with any kind of inside knowledge, but more just, uh, oh, yeah, this is probably not necessary, but because they're spending money and expecting this, they have to kind of keep it around. So 
I think Don Garber probably doesn't want to get rid of it. He was an NFL guy before he came here. And that my speculation is that he'll cling on to it, but I'm sure as the as the years go on, it becomes more and more of a you know, not a obvious thing to get rid of, but it's kind of like why are we doing this? We saw last year that in a non-pandemic year where it was scaled down, it was virtual, it was no longer in person, which I think is a positive step. And I think maybe even strip it down even more, just keep it like it is now, where you have pretty simple setup. You have players have have their name called, but you don't go too crazy about it because again, there's a long way from them going to being contributors. Even the the, the contracts, the generation of contracts are much different than they were before, where you guys getting six figures out of school, and now that's mostly most of these GA contracts are now I, I bet senior minimum deal. So there's a lot of different stuff going on. Yeah, and I think that I, I think it's actually very you know the idea that just make it like a signing day is you know a very unique one because kind of like unlike the NWSL, which I think the draft's a big much bigger necessity. I don't think in MLS you would see the fact that like if the top 10 players per se, the first round all were allowed to sign, they would all immediately go to, you know, the top teams and disrupt the balance of the league. I don't think the level is like at that area. So I don't, I don't think it would, it's, it's a good proposal, I think, because I don't think you would disrupt the balance of the league inherently by, you know, just allowing players to sign where they wanted to go. Going more into your specific kind you know, takes on the draft, you know, specific selections. You mentioned um, the Red Bulls taking Luther Archimede, Syracuse uh, forward was one of your favorite picks of the draft. You know, looking at his raw numbers, he hasn't exactly lit up the scoreboard. You know, in one and a quarter, I guess, of a year, he's only had four goals. I think he's had two assists. So what do the Red Bulls and you, you know, see past his raw numbers? Well, he had more red cards than goals this year, too, which is not the numbers you want from a Ford. I think it's more just a style fit, right? You know, not all, not of the, none of the best, not necessarily all of the best players in college soccer put up big numbers because it depends on the way your team plays. It depends on a lot of things, right? You go back, look at Jordan Morris's numbers as a in his junior year in Stanford, his final season. He, if he's an obvious guy, you think, well, surely he had like 20 goals and 20 assists, right? It's not always there. He, I think he had something pretty, pretty modest for a guy that has gone to have the career that he had. That was regarded the way he was, you know, getting called up into the national team. So, Archimedes, I think, fits the Red Bull style, right? Where you're going to play high press, up tempo soccer. And you want somebody who will work hard, who will defend from the front. And he's an interesting ped- pedigree, having played at FC Sochaux in France. Obviously, there's an international spot. There's a good chance maybe he starts at Red Bulls, too, and has to work his way up. You could also say, well, he probably should have picked the center back because that was a bigger need. But I think there's, a little, there's some upside there when you're also picking an international. And then when you look, again, when you look at the way the Red Bulls are likely going to try to play, I think. There are very few college players that were available in the draft, if any, that would have been a better fit than him when you think of the way. And, of course, that doesn't mean it's going to work, but I thought it made sense on a number of level, levels. Uh, and then, you know, if he does really well, he's a guy who has a European passport and could move abroad pretty easily. So lots of things that factor there that if you look at his based off his numbers, you just don't think about necessarily, but I, I think could come good. It is interesting when you look at the the MLS draft, Travis, that the first five picks came from ACC schools. Is is there some sort of significant point there that the first five are uh, from ACC well, schools? I, it was a it was a byproduct of the fact that the ACC was the 
only major men's conference to play in the fall. So teams that scout and put in the work on various levels were not, you know, where they were going off of what they had seen most recently, even though you could also throw a wrench in that and be like, well, the guy DC United picked Michael DeShields played like one or two games because he broke his back. I think he suffered a pretty bad injury, missed most of the season. So, you know, the ACC, I think, was the 12 of the first 27 picks. And again, they had sort of that inherent advantage where they had played. No, these other schools hadn't. So I think there's a little bit of recency bias there. It, now, if, if there had been a college season, it could have been very similar. But I think that the numbers would have been a little bit tweaked had we had a more normal fall 2020. Is the ACC would, the best I would, conference? I would say so. Yeah, for the most part, it's not. It, it vary, there's a lot of variance, like there are in uh, college sports besides football. You know, there's a lot of variance year to year. There's probably less variance than there is in women's D1 soccer, if you look at it that. But the ACC tends to have the best players, the best teams. You know, you're, even even though I'm like knocking them a little bit, there's no secret that Clemson had a so many players go picked, get picked in the first, what is it, first round. You know, Wake Forest, I think, had five, or Virginia had four or five. You know, it's, it's it would have been interesting to see how it would have shaped out and panned out if, if everyone had played. But I don't think the numbers would have been too different because you could also say there's a little bit of bias as fans of other conferences. I'm sure there are out there other college soccer conferences, you know, big. Big Ten, Pac-12, what's the other one? Big East. Georgetown had several draft picks as well. I think they had four. So you're, you're looking at maybe a little bit of variance, but ACC would probably still lead the way. I'd have to go back and look at the numbers in other years, though, to really gauge that. Yeah, Travis, I was just going to say, um, myself hailing from a Big East school in, in Seen Hall, former home of Sasha Kluston, no, no big deal. But that's probably the last big draft pick we've produced. I was just going to say, you know, I, I saw that Georgetown had four draft picks. Creighton had one. Um, so collectively, the Big East had five draft picks this in this draft, even without having played in the fall. Personally, having watched Seton Hall and just having like a, a relatively basic knowledge of college soccer, I don't think anybody from Seton Hall would have gone high in the draft. But I, I would have to imagine maybe more Georgetown or Creighton players or, or even St. John's players potentially would have probably gone too, um, you know, just given the opportunity to play this year. And so, oh, yeah, I mean, for sure. I think that's something you could say without really doubting it, that there could have been a, you know, maybe one of the teams that passed would be like, oh, let's take him because he looked good in his senior season or whatever. Mm -hmm. They just decided to go with the guy they had seen or maybe somebody that was going to be playing local. The other factor, too, is that there's got to be a spring season. They have rules set up that allow to keep players like on the roster, but not on the team played spring season so there could be there were guys that picked like i think the crew picked somebody at ohio state that you can probably communicate with that player hey look you should play in spring we'll see how you're doing and then maybe we can bring you in afterwards to see where you are and there are a couple of player picks like that too that happened that i don't think any anyone from new jersey was picked but like by the red bulls for as an example but mm -hmm. some of the schools look like they did that so it'll be interesting to see how many of these kids actually going to camp right away you know does a thomas williamson who was picked at 12 by the earthquakes does he does he fit in that category where they can 
tell them, look, why don't you play your senior season? And then we can see where you are in May. And then on the flip side of that, who knows when MLS will start its season. So, but I know we're not here to talk about that. Well, Travis, I got to, I got to follow up then on, on this whole, these split seasons with, you know, the ACC playing in the fall. And then it seems like everybody else is playing in the spring. Uh, with, with some of these kids, like say, like you, you made the, the point of the kid being taken out of Ohio State and kind of circling back to what we kind of started our conversation with, uh, whereas, you know, you have a lot of kids being taken in the MLS draft that just end up being cut or they're just sent to a USL club to, to basically rot, if you will. Do you think that <laughs> USL being, clubs won't appreciate that? Uh, that stance, <laughs> they, but... <laughs> they might not appreciate it, but um, <laughs> but would you say this actually might benefit some of these kids? You know, take like you know, a kid who may have played in the Big Ten, who now instead of either, you know, playing in USL or not getting minutes or just being all out, all outright cut, if you will, do you think it actually might benefit uh, some of these kids to play a spring schedule and get that time playing soccer versus, like I said, either being stuck, not yeah, getting I, any I MLS the, minutes? Yeah, I think the X factor there, what you're talking about is a lot of the kids who have pro aspirations enter school with the intention of graduating in the December of their senior year, so like their first semester senior year. So I think if that that's the only factor that you'd have to calculate in, in this kind of weird situation. Now, it would be different if they've been making a push to move the college season to a year, like a fall spring type schedule where you play half your fall season in the fall, half in the spring, have your championships in the spring. But the, that was kind of ter- tabled when the pandemic was kicking off and the, you know, it could end up benefiting some players. I think it's hard to like say blanket statement, Oh, this would definitely benefit a bunch of players or not. I think that the, whether it's the certainty of knowing that you have a spot that you're actually going to try to get into that might help players if they get onto the senior you know they end up going back and staying in school and playing their senior year before going to give it a shot in mls if you're also you know if you want to kick off your college career as at a usl team you should be looking for a spot on a usl team as well so i think it's kind of a player to by player situation rather than oh this will definitely be good for you know the senior class as a whole could could you ever foresee a scenario and i'm not sure if you're familiar with how the nhl draft works but could you ever foresee a scenario in which you know a kid let's say he's a freshman gets selected by a club and they keep him in college for you know say two years but they own his rights and they can bring him into the club whenever they want to could you ever foresee a a situation like that happening down the road i think that was what i was thinking about as another alternative to my MLS draft idea because I was pretty sure that's what the, how the NHL rules work. I think the one thing that makes it trickier is the can they trade players' rights too? Do you know? I'm not a big hockey guy. There's so, so they I, I'm I, I'm not sure actually. I do know. Okay. I mean that that's not the, it's, it's okay. It well I, I do but, know like after three years I think it's three years that the once the player's been selected and he hasn't been assigned basically he can yeah. then sign as a free agent with whoever he wants. Right. I think it's not a bad bad shout either. You know, the homegrown rules and the can either make it a more natural fit or just make it things a little messier. And I think that there's probably not enough of these players, whereas the NHL draft is right. That's a big part of your talent pool. That's how you're bringing in players. So in MLS, they're not a huge 
factor when, when you're drafting players. Your academies are only becoming a little bit more influential. So I think that it's one alternative that MLS could definitely pursue. And it's kind of the situation we'll see play out in spring for some of these guys that do actually go back to school and play before showing up at camp with their MLS team. Yeah, um, looking at the first pick of the draft, there's something surprised when Austin uh, FC took uh, Virginia Tech's midfielder uh, Daniel Pereira with the first pick. You know, many people expected, for example, Philip Mayaka to go there. What does Austin? Uh, what does Austin get in uh, Pereira? What does he bring to the table? Can we expect him to you know get minutes immediately? Could that have perhaps been the factor that he's maybe a more you know cut and dry ready prospect, or did they just think he was a better fit? You know, I haven't read why. Austin picked him. I think both are good players. I thought Mayaka, for me, if I'm putting money on it and you're building a team, it's not that he's going to come in and be a great player, but I had more confidence in him coming in and playing in Major League Soccer at a decent level than I did Pereira because he just physically competes well. He covers a lot of ground. And I know you asked me about Pereira and I'm talking about Mayaka, but just going to kind of contrast the two and what, why, where I see them differently is Mayaka, I feel good about setting up a structure where he does defending. He, you know, he goes box to box. He can pass and connect in tight spaces. So Pereira's big question for me was how, how much defensive work is he willing to do? And putting him, you know, how are you building your midfield in Austin? Are you asking him to be like a, you know, tackling the defensive midfielder? Cause that's not the kind of game that he, really play so I think you know Pereira does lots of things going forward with the ball without the ball he's not as effective as Mayaka and that was kind of why I thought Mayaka would go first overall as a little bit more of a MLS certainty and Travis before we um, you know kind of wrap up today's show I guess we'll kind of finish off with a bit of a rapid fire so to speak some of these questions aren't necessarily one-liners you know just kind of get your opinion on certain things and First, uh, I just want to ask who you feel the sleeper pick of this draft was this year. I don't want to say Archimedia again because I feel like that's cheating since we already talked about him. Uh, Josh Bauer was the center back that a lot of people told me is pretty good. Ended up going in the second round. I was kind of expecting him to go top 10, as I know a lot of people, other people that follow the drafts were. Logan Pancho is a former U.S. Youth National Team player, went to Stanford for three seasons. Pretty tough right back. I'll be curious to see if he can stick around with DC. That is badly in need of right backs. I'm just perusing the list. Diego Gutierrez is an interesting one. He's a going back to the Big East, a kid from Nebraska, played at Omaha for three seasons, transferred to Creighton, hasn't played for them yet. But I mean, maybe he has that it, an X factor that could be a really sneaky third round pick that actually makes a team. So he. We're never, we're never really going to know, and I think I don't. None of these guys really scream, scream out at me as a, you know, lock sure thing in MLS. But mm-hmm. um, a couple of the other guys they that they shoehorned into the the draft that had left school after 2019, played for USL teams in 2020. Daniel Steeman and Aiden Stanley are both picked up by Austin. Austin, you have a little bit more of a chance to just make the team and stick. So I think. And tracking guys like that. Uh, the Maryland left back, Matt DeRosa, was picked up by TFC. TFC need left back, so DeRosa has a good chance. And I mean, it's crazy, as crazy as it is to say, if you're getting picked up in the 20s and making a team, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. 
And you, you recently put out um, kind of a grade scale of, of the MLS teams in, in terms of how they kind of fared out of this super draft. Yeah, Philadelphia, at the only A-plus team, just, you know, they, they play their kids, they stick to their roots. So we'll we'll leave them out of this question. But as far as, you know, the teams that you kind of ranked amongst the A grade, who do you feel, I guess, had the best draft class of them all? I can't remember who I also gave A grades to. I think, was it Houston? I liked what they did. They picked up the GA. They traded down, picked up a generation need a center back who they don't necessarily need to play right away. Mm-hmm. They picked an intri- intriguing forward from Virginia Tech and Chris Strickler. They had, that those were some moves that I thought made a lot of sense. Uh, I think Toronto did well with that pick of DeRosa because he kind of helped fit a need for them. And the Union don't necessarily count. Someone asked me why I gave an A grade when homegrown signings don't count in a draft, and I just thought it was. A fun, well, more fun thing to do. I also didn't give anything below C because of what I feel like is not a very important of, you know, it's kind of what we talked about. The MLS draft isn't that important. So it kind of doesn't really matter to give out Fs. I don't know. Mm-hmm. The the Dynamo stick, stick out to me the most. And of course, I'm, I'm sure I'll be proven wrong. The Rapids, obviously, you get the best, who I view as the best player. Atlanta has, you know, the Josh Bauer pick. Those kind of, kind of stuff that we've gone over already. But you know, we'll see who actually makes teams in a year from now who's actually on a, on a roster, how many minutes were played in 2020, 2021, or sorry, 2021, 2022. And I think that's, I almost feel like it's a foolishness to make snap judgments in, in MLS drafts even more so than other drafts just because of how, how many, how the variance level between, the variance between the levels and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, you have the Colorado Rapids up here with an A and, um, you know, we've kind of seen with, with Robin Fraser as a coach, uh, how he's kind of improved Andre Shinyashiki. Obviously, he didn't necessarily draft these players from the, for the Rapids, but players like Jonathan Lewis, Lalas Abubakar, Keegan Rosenberry, all players who came out of the draft. And, you know, he's kind of done well to make them essential parts of the Rapids' first team, developing their skills and stuff. And, and I'm just looking at um, Orlando's grade, too. And I know, you, you know, you just said that the grades are kind of just not as important because you have this dance where, you know, the draft isn't necessarily as as important as, as some may believe. But as far as kind of Oscar Pereja's ability to kind of build up players, I mean, we saw what he did with Daryl Dike and Chris Mueller last year and Joao Moutinho mm-hmm. before, you know, he kind of got injured. I mean, do you do you think he can have the same impact on, on some of these players that, that Orlando kind of brought up? Do you see any, I guess, um, potential in some of the players that they, that they drafted? Yeah, I think – It'll be interesting to see if someone like Derek Dotson can exceed my expectations. He just doesn't seem to really have the the extra gear you need. He's a really solid college player. One of the, the tricky things about evaluating MLS prospects in college is it do they have another level? Have they maxed out? Uh, and there's a lot of players that look very similar, so it's kind of easy to spot the different the the different ones, quote unquote. So you know, does Dotson have that extra gear somewhere? You know, he, he played for a winning program. He won a national championship. Good, solid player. Really good college player. But does that go beyond really good college player into effective MLS player? I thought the, you know, they picked two center backs within four picks of each other, which was, that was kind of why it was head-scratcher to me. Mm-hmm. And, well, Hope Gund also played at Georgetown, so clearly they watched a lot of Georgetown. And as I'm sure all teams did, uh, that was kind of the, 
my kind of my reasoning explanation for the that draft pick and the goalkeeper from Wake Forest could end up being could end up sticking on the roster, you know, if he's able to make win a spot. So, but yeah, again, that's the the thing about for all these players is you have so many factors to then consider that will help factor into their success. Will they get it? Will they get a chance? Is there even roster space for them to sign? Will they? Is it the right fit from the style perspective? Do their strengths sort of match up with what this coach is trying to do? And then will the coach help them and bring them bring them along and get the best out of them? Derek Dawson doesn't have the same upside as Daryl DK did a year ago, and that, that's pretty clear for anybody that watches it. That's not to say Derek Dawson's not good, but uh, what can Oscar Pereira lock if he makes a team that will help make a difference for Dotson and prove my grades wrong, which is totally fine by me. <laughs> well, Travis, I, if, I would say if there was a coach who could probably uh, unlock anybody, I feel like Oscar Pereira is that guy. Definitely, um, yeah. But uh, Travis, thanks so much for uh, taking the time today uh, for joining us here on Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. Please let our listeners know where we can find your work, where we can find you on social media, and uh, anything else you might want to plug away. Yeah, check out our website, chopforsoccer.com. We cover college and club and youth national team in normal times. And you can fire any questions to me at Travis M. Clark. Awesome. Thanks so much, Travis. No problem. Thanks again to Travis Clark. Make sure you give him a follow at Travis M. Clark and go check out his fantastic content at Top Drawer Soccer. Guys, interesting discussion around MLS Draft. And I have a little trivia game, but I'm curious to know whether or not you can name the three of you players from MLS.com club by club club listing of the best ever super draft picks in MLS history. This was written last year, so it's it's a year old, but it's still rather relevant. I don't think anybody in last year's draft suddenly jumped to the top. Wait, time out, time out. Are we going around the room or the I guess the Skype call, if you will, and naming off a player until one of us gets it wrong or something like that, and then we're out, and then we yes. just keep Yes. Okay. Yeah, we can. I, we can do it. We, we can do that. Do okay, Jake. I'll give hey, you first. I'm still confused. Is it that every team has one player? Or every team. Yes. Players? Every team has one player, and they have. Who is that team's best draft pick? And then oh, you have all the clubs. I thought you just made of all time. I no, 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 no. So okay, Atlanta no, United has a player. Chicago has a player. Minnesota has a, a player. Team like the Miami Fusion qualify for this? Um, I think they. It has. It has to be active minus. Austin, obviously. Okay. Okay. And I'll I'll give uh, first first pick goes to Jake in the um top player in MLS super draft. I'm gonna start with the New York Metro Stars slash New York Red Bulls uh, franchise. I'm gonna say uh, Josie Altador. Correct. Nice. Boom. Why would you not do a Minnesota player? Why would you take my I don't, pick? I, actually don't know. <laughs> I was just thinking. I Justin's probably like. I don't know. I don't know who would be considered Minnesota United's top draft pick. Actually, I, I think you'd know. be surprised by who they have on this list. I bet I would be too. All right, Justin, who do you got? I guess I'll go with Orlando, and this was published last year. 
This was published last year, yes. Oh, by the way, no, you got for everybody, no Googling anything, okay? I'm not checking anything. No one's Googling yeah. anything. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I have all, I only have the list. And some of the – I should say this. Some of these names shouldn't surprise anybody. Like, so, so these names aren't hard to get. Like, you – it, once I say them, like, you'd be like, oh, okay, that makes sense. I'm, I'm going to say Orlando's is Kyle Laren. Yep. Good job. Two for two. All right, I have – I think I'm going to pursue the boomer bust strategy of trying to pick old clubs who had like historically good players because they probably came from college. So my first pick, I'm going to go with the Columbus crew and Chad Marshall. Yep, you are correct. Nice. All right, Jake, back to you. I'm going to. I like that. I like the way JJ thinks. I like the way you went about that. Um, I'm going to go with the Seattle Sounders, and oh. I'm going to say it has to be. I'm taking a risk here because I don't believe Jordan Morris was actually drafted. I'm going to say DeAndre Yedlin. I don't think oh, Yedlin was drafted either. It went to Akron, I thought. I, I don't think he was drafted, though, technically. Uh, All right, Jake, I'll okay. give you I'll give you no, one. No, no, it's fine. We're, we're playing. One. Okay, you're going to give me one more? No, okay. no, 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 no. I, I'll give you a, I'll give you one lifeline. Can you tell it's me? It's not infeasible that the rest of us all go out this round either. By the way, exactly by the way. You, That's true, JJ. You you told them who was the top player for, or who they say the top player was for Seattle, too, by the way. So now they, Justin and JJ can't guess it. So. It's all right. There's like 40,000 other teams we could pick from. That's true. Jake, okay, your, your one lifeline is what number did Christian Rodon get picked at? What draft pick was he? Because well, he, he fell. Has... He he fell. That's the only – I'm giving oh, you a okay. chance. So you, you got five seconds. Pick a number. What number? Okay, it was yeah. in the second round. Um, no, it wasn't probably. the second round. It was the first round. Oh, okay, well, then I guess he fell. I'm going to go with – I'm going to – 18. Ah, close. 16. You're – Unless JJ and Justin don't get it, you are eliminated. All right, Justin, go. It's got to be Dempsey then for the Revs. Dempsey? Yeah. Okay, that is wrong. Oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It's uh, Taylor Twelman. You you had you had the guy right. Oh, that's whatever. Someone else is Yeah. Well, <laughs> you said it, not me. JJ, wait, wait, you have wait, a chance wait, wait. to win this. You got to give Justin the lifeline here. Oh, uh, lifeline. Where is he? <laughs> well, okay. According to this year-old year old article, where does he rank in all-time goals in MLS history? Oh, I know he's second fastest to 100 because Wright Phillips broke his record. But, oh, my God. Sixth. Tenth. All right, whatever. JJ, it's on you. <laughs> JJ, you have a chance to take this. I think I'm going to keep my strategy in the first round, try to go for like an old club, but I'm going to twist it a bit. It's going to be a rebranded old club. I'm going to go with Can Sporting Kansas City back when they were the Wizards and Graham Zuzzi. That is also wrong. It's a close. They they even say Graham Zuzzi, but it's Matt Beasler, who we've had on the okay, show, yeah, I believe it or not. Too many actually good players on Sporting Kansas City. Yeah. Yeah. Let me well, see. All right. Yeah, I do have to give you a life. Because, because I feel like there's an obvious one we all kind of forgot about. I feel like there's a super I have obvious two one. more in the back of my mind. That I'm like, I have oh. one. I have one, but I didn't want to burn it. But, I, but now I'm thinking. Wait, I'm wait. I got to give JJ a, a lifeline. A lifeline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. 
Something held me doesn't have me scratch. How many trophies has Matt Beasler won? For Calling Huntrell, he's never he would have never won anything with USA anyway. Um, probably. You know, I'm just gonna guess like a random semi-low number and say three. Ah, uh, four. One MLS oh. Cup, three Open, three U.S. Open Cups. So all of you have failed. So should we just do another round? <laughs> should we do another round? I don't know. The show is going long here. Okay, let's do another round. No more lifelines. No more lifelines, but lifelines. you have you have ten seconds to answer. I'd like to think one of us has at least one good answer in this. Yes. Yeah. All right, yeah. go, Jake. I'm gonna say San Jose Earthquake, Landon Donovan. Wrong. <sighs> was, really? he by the, was he drafted by the Earthquake? Right. I'm all right. I'll, I'll have to look it up then. Look oh, it I up. Guess. Look it up. Let's see. I'm gonna say NYCFC. Mm. And I'm gonna say Jack Harrison. Yes, that is correct. That was gonna be my choice. JJ. Chicago Fire, Carlos Bocanegra. No, that is wrong. Let me so run through s- some some names uh, for everyone since uh, Justin is the winner. Chicago Fire, CJ Brown, DC United, Eddie Pope, FC Dallas, Matt Hedges, Houston Dynamo, Jeff Cameron, LA Galaxy, Omar Gonzalez. Jake, Minnesota United. Who do you think is their best ever draft pick? Um, I don't even know. I would assume it has to be either Chase Gasper or Hassani Dotson. Nope, Mason say... Toy. Uh, what? That <laughs> doesn't all... make any sense to me. That doesn't make any sense to me. I Wait, who was it? Mason Toy. Yeah, that is a weird one. So he didn't even... I'll be honest. Okay. I'm surprised none of you said Darlington Nagby. Portland Timbers, Chris Wanadolowski with San Jose Earthquakes. On the Landon Donovan front. Yes. Never never drafted. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, started his career at Bayern Leverkusen and then went to San Jose Earthquake on loan. Oh. Um, it looks like. that's according. This is what I'm seeing on Wikipedia, so I could yes. be completely wrong. But everything like, on Wikipedia that's, is That's gospel. how everything's breaking out to me. I don't see anything about first-round pick, blah, 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 or anything like that. So I'm assuming that he went from Leverkusen to Earthquake, and then sign a deal with MLS. Well, there you go. Listeners, at Unc Sam Soccer Pod, question of the day, do you think MLS draft is necessary? Justin says yes. JJ leans yes. Jake, where are you? Yes or no? Or are you going to be a fence sitter? I can see both sides of the argument. Oh, so you're going to be a fence sitter. (laughs) And I say no. Big thank you to Travis Clark. Make sure you give him a follow at Travis M. Clark. For myself, at Stephen Jodder, and for at JJ Post for at Justin Sosa 99 and at Jake Latroba. We are Uncle Sam Soccer Podcast and we'll be back next week. Till next time.